Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I want to talk to you in this podcast about the horrible things that are happening in the Middle East, particularly in Israel. Those of you who have listened to me for a while know that while I certainly support the cause of Israel and have worked there and and done a number of things to support Israel and its right to exist among the nations, uh, that I have great affection for the Arab world, great affection for the Kurds in particular, uh, who are not Arabs, of course, and great affection for uh, much that is uh, what we call the, the Muslim world. I think things are not as black and white as we tend to present them in the Western press. And so uh, I want to talk just a little bit about what's going on over there. Many of you will remember that last year there was the Israeli-Gaza conflict that really got violent. Um, Hamas in Gaza had been building tunnels uh, into Israel. They'd been lobbing uh, missiles into Israel. They had, been, um, they had storehouses in Gaza contrary to treaty. Uh, there had been a great deal of stir and violence, and uh, there were also people killed. Uh, Jewish extremists would kidnap Palestinian kids and kill them. Some were even burned to death. Uh, the same would happen in reverse. Uh, Palestinian kids would, you know, shoot, kill, stab so IDF soldiers or Israeli kids. Uh, it really ratcheted up, and eventually there was a horrible, horrible uh, conflict. Many died. Uh, bombings and devastation and so on that we're still talking about. Well, uh, even, even though that was resolved by treaty and the rebuilding began, uh, there were a number of things that became obvious. First of all, all such situations like that are test cases. People are testing to see what the Western powers will do. What will the United States do? Will they step in? Will Europe step in? How far can we go? What can we accomplish? Who's backing who in the situation? And after that conflict, it became very obvious that the West was dramatically weaker in its response than it had ever been before, particularly the United States. And so since that time, there has been a dramatic rise in anti-Semitism around the world. You, you've, you've seen the, the stories and uh, know of the news, the, the shootings in Paris and uh, stabbings in London and so on. Uh, anti-Semitism is dramatically on the rise in Europe. Uh, Jews are leaving Europe in large numbers to go back to Israel, uh, the Hebrew word is to make aliyah, uh, to go back into the land, to become repatriated with the land. And uh, this is largely because of the rise of anti-Semitism, which also, by the way, is, is rising in the United States as well. So we, we've seen an increase in anti-Semitism, an increase in anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic violence. And now there is a new phase happening in Israel. Uh, and it really has taken on tragic proportions. You can go onto YouTube and you can see security camera footage of stabbings happening in Jerusalem and even in Tel Aviv where somebody's just walking down the street. And in one case, the guy is wearing um, an orange vest that so he looks like he's a city worker or something. And he comes up to a bus stop and suddenly whips out a knife and stabs four or five people, killing one of them. Um, there's other video of, of, of very similar kind Two youths are walking along. They look like normal youths. They walk by the camera. Suddenly a, a Jewish man goes running the opposite direction. And then there are the two youths with knives, great big knives drawn, chasing this Jewish man down the street. Um, this is going on a great deal in Israel. Uh, and it's, it's a new level of violence and one-on-one attack, street assassinations, uh, really horrible violence. Uh, particularly with the use of stabbings, which, of course, is a horrible way to be wounded, a horrible way to die. 
Uh, it's also a very difficult thing for us to defend against. It, it comes as part of a broader a surge of violence and rioting and burnings. Um, for example, Palestinian rioters set fire to Joseph's tomb in Nablus, which is not far from Jerusalem, um, uh, about 30 miles north of Jerusalem. And uh, th- this is a site that, that's, that's holy to uh, three or four of the major religions in that area. Um, the, that act was so heinous, uh, so despised, so shocking, uh, that even the secretary general of the UN, Ban Ki-moon, um, and believe me, the secretary general of the UN rarely ever says anything against the Palestinians or in support of Israel. Um, but he came out very strongly condemning the arson attack, uh, by the Palestinians. He named them in particular of Joseph's tomb. So, uh, this violence, these burnings, this, this upheaval is so virulent that it's even drawing attention from people who normally never say a word. Um, it's sad to see what's going on on the streets. Um, older Jews are seen uh, and Israeli citizens are seen to be walking around with rolling pins tucked into their belts. Um, one man had a frying pan tucked into his belt. In other words, they're carrying whatever weapons they can legally carry to protect themselves. Um, it's tragic to know that uh, on the Palestinian side, there are videos and manuals that even teach children, quote, how to stab a Jew. That's actually the name of one video that is for Palestinian children. And so the the idea now is let's terrorize the Jews and drive them out of the land, not with machine guns and tanks and planes, missiles, but let's see if we can radicalize people at the street level. Um, And as a result, of course, Palestinian youth are being shot. Just yesterday, I watched a video where Palestinian youth had charged towards uh, IDF soldiers. Um, He was carrying a knife. Foolishly, what was he thinking? And of course, they shot him and killed him. And he laid there in the street, by the way, not quite dead, bleeding, crying out for help, while people who hated him were shouting, die, die, die. I mean, it's just as ugly as it can possibly be. The upshot of all this is that the U.S. Congress is about to cut $5 billion from Palestinian uh, support. This is largely a Republican move that looks like it might actually happen. Um, But the whole reason is that um, they are people in Congress are incensed by the Palestinian encouraging of violence. All this has been going on for a while. The stabbings, the shootings, the, 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 the famous shootings in Paris anti-Semitic activities, anti-Semitic riots, uh, even in Hyde Park in London, etc. It really has been ugly. And then this past week, well, actually just a day or two ago, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, recalled some history in a slanted way that makes the situation even worse. And I want to say before I even cite this, what, what this all brings to mind to me is the fact that if we don't learn how to forgive as Jesus said, as Nelson Mandela said, as other great leaders have said, that our our history will constantly haunt us and drive us to destruction. Uh, Netanyahu was making a, a largely accurate historical point. I don't know that he should have been making it, but he was making a largely accurate historical point, which is that there was a, a man in the position of the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, Uh, during the events of World War II and before in the 1930s. Uh, He was the Hajj Amin al-Husseini. That was the man's name, and he was the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, the leading Muslim figure in Jerusalem. There is no question that this man was anti-Semitic. There is no question uh, that he urged uh, attacks on Jews. There is no question that he opposed uh, the repatriation of the Jews to their homeland and the the nation of Israel in 1948. And there is no question that he was applauding 
of uh, and, and approving and supporting of the Nazi uh, extermination camps. All of that is without question. We, we that, that's not even debatable. That's that's not some you don't have to be some weird cons- conspiracy theorist to believe that. That's just standard history. However, what what Mr. Netanyahu said here recently um, was that the Mufti uh, of Jerusalem had flown to Berlin. That prior to this visit by the Mufti, Adolf Hitler did not want to exterminate the Jews, um, but the, the Haj Amin al Husseini, this uh, Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, uh, went to Hitler and said, "If you expel the Jews, they'll all come here," uh, meaning to Israel. And so Hitler said, "Well, what should I do with them?" And the Grand Mufti said, "Burn them." So this is now the Prime Minister of Israel saying this just a few days ago, and what he's essentially saying is, and he went on to say it specifically, that Adolf Hitler did not have any intention of, de- of, of, uh, of destroying the Jews until the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem uh, convinced him to do so. Well, again, there's a little bit of historical truth in this, in that the Grand Mufti was in fact anti-Semitic, was in fact, as I say, supportive of the Nazi atrocities. But trust me, this man did not talk Hitler into exterminating the Jews. Uh, Hitler had been talking about it since long before he knew who the Grand Mufti was. And by the way, given Hitler's um, crazy race theories, uh, the Grand Mufti himself was uh, a target for extermination. He was of impure blood. He was a man who uh, ought not be allowed to um, have rights in, a, in, a, in the perfect Aryan society. So uh, this was this was something that uh, Netanyahu as a statesman should not have brought up. Um, if he was going to bring it up, he should have been more careful in what he said. He, he gave partial truths. Um, and essentially what he did was call the Grand Mufti a Palestinian and say, look, the Palestinians have been urging the extermination of Jews for decades, uh, for, for a long time, and the evidence is this Grand Mufti, and this Grand Mufti was a Palestinian. When, of course, in fact, this Palestinian, I mean, this uh, Grand Mufti was not a Palestinian in the way that we understand the word today. So the whole thing was a very, very slanted, um, unwise, unstatesmanlike, unhelpful statement by Mr. Netanyahu, who on most issues I admire. I want to say that the person I most admire in this situation, and I often admire her, uh, is Angela Merkel. And uh, Angela is the way it would be pronounced in German. Um, And Mrs. Merkel, uh, of course, who is the chancellor of Germany, um, stepped up and said, and, and, and basically spoke to what Mr. Netanyahu had raised. He said, she said, all Germans know the history of the murderous race mania of the Nazis that led to the break with civilization that was the Holocaust. She said, this is taught in German schools for good reason. It must never be forgotten. And I see no reason to change our view of history in any way. We know that the responsibility for this crime against humanity is German and very much our own. Well, all I can say is thank God for Angela Merkel. She is, um, has a lot of courage. Um, by the way, her country is astonishingly successful right now, economically and in many other ways. I have an affinity for Germany because I lived there for about eight years of my life. But I, I have to tell you, for a statesman to stand up and say, wait a minute, Mr. Netanyahu has misspoken. He is trying to blame the racism of the Nazis on this Grand Mufti of Jerusalem. And that is, that is not something we can sit by and accept. It was Nazi it was German. We own it. We teach it to our children. We have apologized for it. 
we want this thing to be rightly understood and to be atoned for. And I have to tell you, I admire that. I admire that because understand this, there are always wrongs and wounds and ills and offenses in history, just like there are in our individual lives. And if there's not forgiveness, if there's not some way to own responsibility apologize, forgive, and move on, then you will have humanity's history will be nothing but perpetual war. So I want to say, I want to speak to a number of different groups of people here as I end this podcast. First of all, I I want those of my listeners, and there are many of them who are strongly pro-Israel people, many of you evangelicals and Christians, I stand with you. I understand where you are. I understand what you believe. Uh, I'm pro-Israel. I've worked with people in the Israeli government in these causes. I've written books on people who were prominent proponents uh, of Israel. I believe that Israel has a place among the nations. I read Israel, Israeli recent Israeli history to be inspired. Some of my heroes are, are some of the Henry, her, uh, heroes and generals of, of the birth of Israel in 48. I'm with you. I understand. At the same time, we do not help our friends, the Jews. We do not help our friends in Israel by encouraging them to either distort history or to raise unhelpful issues in history to reopen wounds. And we also need to understand that as much as we stand with Israel as a theological and historical force and as a political force, we also need to understand that there are wrongs on the part of Israel. Uh, There are abuses. There are uh, uh, sins. There are things that are, are wrongs being done. There are murders being committed. Um, by Israelis. There, there is oppression. Um, and while I understand that Israel took occupation uh, of the disputed territories in the 67 war, six-day war, uh, and that Ariel Sharon withdrew from Gaza um, then later, and I understand that many people are upset about that, uh, the fact is that there are uh, Arabs within the territory of Israel um, the Israeli government seeks to take good care of them. They should behave themselves as, uh, as productive citizens. And oppression by either side has to be decried. What Christians want is one new man. What we want is a new person fashioned out of forgiveness and the work of God in our lives. And so we cannot be so blindly pro-Israel or so pri- blindly uh, pro-Palestinian that we do not stand for righteousness. And and let me speak to my other group of friends who are very, very much turned towards the Palestinians. These these friends tend to be um, a bit further left on the political spectrum um, and tend to back the Palestinians and see the Israelis as oppressors. Um, There is a great deal of misinformation circulating in that regard. I I know uh, from, from firsthand testimony from people who live in the Gaza Strip that the Israelis would go in during that Israeli uh, uh, Gaza conflict last year, they would warn a neighborhood that there was an armed storehouse in their neighborhood, that the Hamas had stored weapons in a given house. They would say, we're going to bomb it, leave. Uh, they would do that hours before the, they, they began to bomb. Even 30, 24, 20 or 30 minutes before they began to bomb, they would again make an announcement on radio from choppers. Then they would drop fireworks over the house to again warn them that they were leaving. And then they would actually bomb the storehouse. In some cases, 
uh, Hamas snipers kept people in homes near these bombings, and those people were then killed. This is not rumor. This is not some vicious Zionist conspiracy. This is me reporting exactly what happened because I was actually in Israel around the time this was happening. I actually talked to uh, Arabs who live in Gaza, friends who are there, and this stuff is, is very, very well reported, nothing I'm making up. What I'm trying to say is that to be blindly for one side or the other uh, is to be blind. And it's not to help bring about the righteousness and the justice in the nations that uh, we need to we need to be encouraging. The final thing I want to say is I want all of us to check ourselves and check those we know and exert what influence we can to battle anti-Semitism. Are the Jews perfect people? Of course they're not. Nobody is saying they are a sainted people. But to be uh, ideologically and even militarily opposed to a given people on the earth, especially a people who have suffered like the Jews, uh, people who are interwoven with divine history, uh, uh, people who are at the basis of the, of the faith of Christianity and the faith of Islam, by the way. We should both be giving, uh, expressing our gratitude to the Jews, not, not in any way being anti-Semitic. Christian anti-Semitism is a sin. Islamic anti-Semitism has got to come to an end in our generation. There is the opportunity for Israel to have a place among the nations and for the Islamic world to thrive. I think the Kurds are making it very clear how that can work. So this is a serious situation happening over there. It's very mixed up with a lot of misinformation. Mr. Netanyahu, admire him as I often do, did not help us. And I think each of us can play a role in bringing about the kind of righteousness, uh, love, tolerance, um, and support for noble causes that we desperately need to see in this situation. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on CNN, Fox, and the Huffington Post. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and The Miracle of the Kurds. You can learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv and greatman.us and connect with him on Facebook and on Twitter under the name Mansfield Writes. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell, who also wrote, performed, and produced the Rockin' Podcast theme song. Be sure to rate the Stephen Mansfield Podcast in the iTunes Store. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.